passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, Mr. Harden, look out! End of days! <laughs> Due to outside interference, the winner of this match via disqualification is James Harden. So Hawkins is a losing streak is uh, now at 200 straight. Hey ladies, quite a performance tonight. Thanks, Kurt. Don't thank me yet. Listen, Bailey, because you weren't officially in the match, the Riot Squad is the winner by disqualification. Seriously? Ben Balor hung up in the ropes and the relentless attack here by Kevin Owens that will serve him well at Money in the Bank. Better be careful. Oh, wait a minute. The referee's going to throw this out. He's going to disqualify Owens. Remember, hey, Kevin Here's Owens made a mistake. By disqualification, Finn Balor. Owens, uh, he let the emotions get the best of him here tonight in this matchup. Remember, in two weeks, there are no disqualifications. That's not the case here tonight. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind of Rob with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind the Rob for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind the Rob for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wei take the mic. Waiting, it's John Pollock. How are you? I'm doing great. No, I'm doing terrible. Oh, really? What's wrong? Um, I feel like I just wasted a big chunk of my day watching this show. Oh, watching Raw? It just wasn't a very good show. Wait, um, when when that Kevin Owens-Finn Balor match started, it was like, you know what, nine times out of ten, I'm sure most people are looking forward to this. But I looked at the clock, and I knew that nothing will be... There's no reason for this match. Not one... And then when I got that finish, it's like, go to hell. Yeah. 18 minutes and 48 seconds. I know. Like, I'm hearing so many people that are just, like, really done with, with uh, WWE right now. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not really there, you know? Like, I know people could be frustrated, but I'm like, oh, this show isn't that bad. Um, maybe it caught up to me this week. I've really... My stance on... You know, creating fans and following this product have greatly evolved. If 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 not for this show and for our line of work, I I guarantee you I would follow this show by word of mouth, checking YouTube segments, and I would just watch pay per view to pay per view. Mm-hmm. And I think I would be completely satisfied watching Raw as I hear from so many people that they catch up with it in twenty to thirty minutes. Every key segment is up on YouTube. You know what is worth checking out and what is not. I would not recommend a 19-minute match that ends with repeated stomps. This yeah. this is a a product you can follow along with, and you do not have to be following the flagship 
programs. Well, I look at it like, I mean, it's not just even central to WWE, but like, you know, trying to follow New Japan. I'm not watching every single match. I'm not watching every single best of the juniors, uh, super juniors match. I'm watching the the ones that you recommend. I'm watching the ones that people are talking about and the ones that are important. What does it say about me? I'm watching all of the stuff. Why? I'm watching well, every single match from every single company. Maybe I need to. I need to find a, a better formula of things. But I mean, there, there there's just a bit, simply so much out there, and especially if the product is not even nearly as good as some of the output that we're seeing uh, from New Japan. Uh, it's it's really kind of tough to justify a, a casual viewer spending this much time on a three-hour show. Uh, anyway, I, I hate to start off on such a grumpy note, but uh, you asked how I was feeling. We all appreciate, appreciate your honesty. So mm. I'm going to lift your spirits by letting you know and all the people out there that have inquired. I secured tickets to Aqua. I will be there. This has become quite the saga. I can't believe how many how much feedback I got from people. Fellow Aqua fans? Any of them? Or just more people very shocked? F- very few fellow Aqua fans out there. Most shocked. <laughs> I don't know why. I think people are just surprised. What a fun that... group to follow. Um, maybe people are just... I, I've heard people say that they're just surprised that you, you are... Maybe they've just not heard you so passionate about any single thing. And, and much less, you know, that thing being a nice What 90s. an insult that is. Well, I mean, you're passionate about a lot of things, but maybe not to the extent that you were for something that was so unexpected. What's the most, what would be a guilty pleasure band you would go watch that would surprise people? Because mm. you have a lot of cred, so maybe no. you don't want to answer this question. Guilty pleasure. I have zero music cred. Um, I have, I mean, I can't think of anything right now. Like if, uh, okay, if it was convenient, okay, and yeah. I had tickets to go see... A reunion show involving NSYNC. Would you go? No, but I would. I I I would go see the Spice Girls for sure. I have seen the Spice yeah. Girls. It was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, sure. Not a life changing experience, but one that I went to nonetheless. Yeah, I wouldn't pay that much money to to do it. What would be your ceiling for Spice Girls tickets? Fifty bucks. Mm, there, there's I, no way they'd be less than yeah, fifty these these like days. Eighty bucks. Eighty. Yeah, I would. That's yeah. fair. I spent less than that on Aqua tickets. So. Oh, how much? Uh, do you want to know what, what, I, I what do you think that's spent? Thirty dollars. Higher. Forty. Higher. Fifty. Higher. Eighty. Okay, seventy. Sixty-three bucks. I don't okay. give a shit. I think it's totally worth it. Yeah, uh, the thing is, is like I, I think they know their market. You know, the reason like so many of these band reu- reunion bands are always they're always charging not for twenty-year-olds or fifteen-year-olds. They're charging for forty-year-olds. So they know you have that money to spend. Well, I I clearly made an emotional purchase too because, as I said, tickets were going to go on sale the Friday morning, and I really did not think that this was going to be a fast ticket selling event. Like, I, <laughs> is it sold out? I, I don't know to be honest. But Wednesday, I logged on because I wanted to see what what what's the pricing of this. Like, I hope this is not some crazy priced event or something like that. And I log on to Ticketmaster. Pull up the Aqua event, and I see the words that jump off the screen and just are consumed by me. Early bird special. I was like, "What? what's the catch? What do I have to do here? I clicked on early bird special. It asked for my info, and just like that, I bought the tickets. They were at the regular price that they would be on Friday. It's just a chance to buy them two days earlier. Yeah. It's like, I'm buying them. I don't care. I also had to buy like the max quantity, so that I was kind of concerned with about Friday. Like In the slight chance there's a big demand, 
it's also like I'm not looking for a single or a pair. I had to buy eight tickets. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm very glad you caught it. I'm, so I'm this ex- summer I'm going to learn how to use lens, and that's going to be my goal. I'm for... excited for you, man. Well, that you have something to look forward to. That's in in when is it? September. September. When? September the eighth. September the eighth. The week after All In with Wigfield and Prozac. Yeah. You're seeing Wigfield on Saturday night. That place is going to go. I don't crazy. know a thing about Wigfield beyond Saturday night. Nobody does. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. Many I don't people... know about any like Aqua. I'll go through the whole album list. Yeah, but Prozac. I mean, sucks Prozac. to be you. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm sure that they have. There are plenty. Of, they got. They, they I got feel they have another hits. song of note. I hope that uh, there's, there's like, like there's like they did a song about like social media once. Oh, so is that recent? Uh, like ICQ or something? Some. Well, that's uh, not recent then. Well, I would imagine. Okay. Prozac, Canadian pop music group that consists of Jay Levine, James. Uh, I don't really care about that. Let's let's look at their song. Oh, they did a yeah. So their singles were Strange Disease. Yes. Yes. And sucks to one. be you. Strange Disease was what the else? other one. Um, get a clue. I don't know that. Baby, I need your love. Love Fools Anonymous. It's going to be so weird seeing like 60-year-old balding gray-haired men singing these songs. They've been re- releasing songs over the last couple of years. Oh, they have. My Little Snowflake, Love Me Tinder. <laughs> Maybe that's their social media song that you're thinking about. I'm really curious to to know the the other types of people that are going to be showing up at this at this event. Uh, will there be any children? What do you what do you what do you think the average age will be? I would imagine this is going to be a 30s attended group right. uh, band. Mm. Uh, fans. Yeah, that would be my guess. Cool. Are you going to go? You never invited me, so. You didn't sh- You didn't <laughs> strike quite the interest. No, I think I'm, I'm busy that weekend. You might be. There's a big UFC. There. Well, there's not a big. There's actually not a UFC scheduled, but there might be a, a UFC pay-per-view that hmm. night. Hasn't been announced yet. Uh, hey, on that note. This week. What an enormous week here at the post-wrestling compound. Mm-hmm. I think we should break this up between the free content we have and then the post-wrestling cafe shows. because Shall we do it chronologically or not? Uh, we can, but we're going to be going back and forth. So okay. I want people to be able to sure. understand what is what. First of all, the, the, the free content. Okay. So you're listening to this show. Duh. Uh, Tuesday, we've got Rewind to Smackdown. Mm-hmm. Simple. Wednesday. Keep it 2000. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Uh, maybe their biggest addition yet. I would say a pretty big one. Because This is, is the first time they have an, uh, a member of the WCW roster in 2000 joining them. Brian Mann, Nate Milton are reviewing the August 7th, 2000 episode of Nitro with Lance T. Storm. Mm-hmm. Lance Storm himself. What Do you know what's happening? What happens on that show? I believe this is the show where after he'd won all those titles... He challenges Booker T for the WCW title. Oh, I can't wait. Lance is a big fan of their show. He tweets about it, mm-hmm. so I'm sure he hasn't given us a listen. But Brian and Nate, he's uh, he's in with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lance will be making his Keep It 2000 debut on Wednesday night. Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, who's been very busy. Has a great interview up on the site with Amir Jordan that is up on their feed, so you can go check that out before Thursday's show. Mm-hmm. Friday... Uh, is a Patreon show. Saturday, uh, last free show to mention, I will be joined by two of my lifelong friends, Phil and Ziggy. Aqua fans? Nope. Uh, Ziggy's going. 
Oh, Phil okay. is not. Gotcha. No, no. Phil Phil is more in line, I think, with, with your line of music, I would imagine. Okay. Uh, anyway, so the three of us, uh, we're going to be watching the UFC card on Saturday night. We're going to do a show afterwards. And what a card this is. This is honestly one of the best cards of the year. And it's got CM Punk, mm. who we will talk about in just a couple of minutes. But then, the post-wrestling cafe way. It is, it is booming this week. Can you let... Oh, I skipped over one I, show. I wasn't sure, yeah. I wasn't 100% sure. Okay. Uh, Tuesday. New, new idea that we are releasing. It is called The Post Profile. And the subject matter on Tuesday's show will be Ken Shamrock. So what's the backstory with this? Uh, Ken Shamrock is doing a uh, an appearance in Toronto this yes, weekend. Yes, he's doing a 10-city tour of Ontario, doing a speaking tour. So he's doing some press, obviously, uh, you know, for, in, for local media. And John, you interviewed him in a regular phone call type of conversation interview. But rather than just put that interview out there for the feed, John Pollock decided to take this interview and just work his magic on it. Just, why not? Just because he can. And for those of you who are fans of John's excellent audio documentaries that you might have heard on on the MMA Report, he has put that same amount of effort, that same amount of love into this interview, transforming it essentially into a real great documentary-style profile piece on Ken Shamrock. Well, let's not praise it too much until it's released. Hopefully people will enjoy it. That's going to be dropping on Tuesday, and that will be on the main post-wrestling feed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So check that out, and I do appreciate any uh, feedback. This is not going to be a weekly show. Uh, It'll be, you know, when when we have a a subject that Mm -hmm. is... uh, that lends itself to that kind of style. But the Post Wrestling Cafe this week, uh, we have several shows coming up on the cafe, uh, starting off with one that's probably up now. Yeah, if you're listening to this show and if you want to skip our review of Raw completely, or at least you want us to talk about something that we actually enjoyed on the Rewind to Raw overrun, uh, John will be talking about the best of the Super Juniors finals, which took place... Monday, Monday morning with mm-hmm. Hiromu Takahashi and Taiji Ishimori. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also featuring, of course, an appearance from Chris Jericho. And I... On the Best of Super Juniors, not on our podcast. No, not at all. No. <laughs> Let's not confuse people. Yeah. Uh, we only keep it 2000 as uh, wrestlers right. on their shows. Yeah, they've got the speed dial. Yeah. Uh, also, I will be going through the latest edition of Total Bellas, of course. Which uh, contrasts me and Way's weekends. But Way actually did watch the Super Juniors final, so yes. he will uh, share his thoughts. Uh, that is on the uh, the Overrun show that we are uh, temporarily dubbing it that. But uh, yeah. that's coming out. It's out now. Then we've got, this is sometimes a test, Friday, we are back with a new Rewind Away where... Uh, Ian Kushner is our espresso executive producer, and he has chosen King of the Ring 1993 that Mm -hmm. you and I are going to go through very meticulously. The first ever King of the Ring, and one that, of course, uh, prominently features Bret the Hitman Hart in three matches over the course of the evening. Yes, and Hulk Hogan, uh, Blinded by the Light. Ooh, Hogan versus Yokozuna, a rematch from uh, WrestleMania 9. And then, uh, Saturday, uh, myself and W.H. Park... Multiple shows with WH. Oh my God, we forgot that one. That's a free one. Too. Well, I, I, I left them all for the end. The WH pairing. You're going to get a double dose of WH Park this week. Free show on Wednesday with Post Purarasu. And then Saturday, uh, it's a Patreon special on the Post Wrestling Cafe. WH will join me to review Dominion. We have a lot of shows Just, this week. Uh, yeah, we, Maybe we, too many. We should have done this chronologically. Well, it's all up on the site, it's on Facebook, and it's on our Instagram 
at Post Wrestling Official. So Just you can get the schedule uh, way better than me and Way going through it. Subscribe to all of the feeds, please. Uh, go to postwrestling.com slash subscribe and just check check every hour of every day. And you'll more more more, more likely, uh, more than likely, you will find a new show. And I'm going to say, most weeks are not going to be like these weeks. This week is insanity. Mm-hmm. It's a, There's a lot going on. Uh, and much like WWE, we don't expect you to listen to every single minute. Of course not. Um, we expect you to listen every second. Um, <laughs> and final thing, I want to thank all of the people for the feedback to the roundtable. Uh, we continue to get great feedback each month for these roundtable shows. And I think the most is what we have received for the Moro Ronaldo harris Usanovich roundtable that went up on Sunday, uh, yeah. which you can listen to or watch and find out which former UFC champion was hanging out on my couch. I really want to thank all of, all of uh, both of those guys for making the time in, in over the course of this very busy week where the two of them have done a lot of media, uh, Moro especially. Yeah. So uh, hopefully those of you who have been following their media circuit got something different out of our conversation with them because uh, they are two, uh, you know, for people we've known for a long, long time and people that we consider friends. So thank you to anybody who has checked that out and uh, highly recommend that documentary for people who haven't seen it. Definitely. So before we start Raw, I just wanted to quickly touch on the CM Punk Colt Cabana case that continues uh, continues into fight week, but it looks like there is a light at the end of the tunnel uh, with the closing arguments set for Tuesday. Just insane. He's spending, absolutely. Crazy. He is spending all day at the at, at these at this courthouse. He was not just in court. He was on the stand Monday, finishing mm. his testimony. Like it is absolutely crazy what is happening. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I could be Duke Rufus and after all this time away and clearly mm-hmm. there was a desire for this guy to continue. Like, and I give him all the credit in the world. He, he is fighting again under the spotlight. But why put yourself in such a position like this? Give yourself the best possible chance. And he spent his whole final week of hard training away. Like, I'm sure he was maybe training at night, but nowhere near what he could have been doing, mm-hmm. throwing out all of his days in a courthouse. Yeah. I can't imagine that if a continuance was requested, it would not have been granted. Mm. Um, so the, it's very bizarre. Uh, I do really want to mention the the crew at WrestleZone, in particular uh, Nick Hausman and Ross Berman, who have been outstanding with their coverage. And without these guys, I don't know how much of this would be getting out there because there is... I have been monitoring this, and I'm not seeing any media covering this. Um, well, it's kind of tough to, to be at a courthouse in well, Chicago. Well, it's, it's every restricted day, isn't it? to people that are in or around the Chicago area that can mm-hmm. get a physical body to the courthouse, and that's not very easy. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a long period before I think the the case is going to be online or available. You might have to go to the courthouse to actually get a copy of it. So um, anyway, the WrestleZone team has been all on top Mm -hmm. of this, and that's kind of how the the wrestling media has been Mm -hmm. following it with these notes. Great job to those guys. Yeah. So Monday featured the conclusion of Punk's uh, testimony, and I will just say, wait, I have written so much about this man's ass. (laughs) I didn't know it was on his ass. They had to clarify that. Punk had to clarify that Mm -hmm. because that was the discrepancy that he had stated lower back, I guess not wanting to reveal where it was and thus those photos came out the wwe even produced these photos there's a video that that uh they put unlisted or something where they put it and there was no marking by his waistline for where his trunks are Mm -hmm. on his lower back and it turns out it was on his left ass cheek and was that the the technical term that they used uh 
buttocks was used, butt cheek was used, gotcha. I, I do believe. Um, so we had Punk asking, uh, he was asked about the lump. Um, it formed in the fall of 2013. Uh, we go through this, um, again, going through the drainage procedure of this lump, which what they're basically getting down to, I don't think anyone disputes now that there was a lump. What they are questioning is the size of it because Punk had indicated a baseball-sized lump, and it was not the size of a baseball. Um, he claimed it was, what, the size of a quarter? Yeah, that seems to be the the size, which right. they had him clarify there is a difference in size between a quarter and a baseball, yes. which if his biggest offense is a pro wrestler exaggerating, then I, I don't know if that's the worst offense imaginable. But they are also trying to prove uh, if this lump in fact existed, which we're now trying to understand it did, mm-hmm. was it was it ignored by Dr. Amon? Was it properly treated? And thus was Punk's criticism of the lack of care for this lump actu- actually valid on the podcast, which... Um, Brandon Howard, our friends at WrestleNomics, he went back and listened to this interview. Zero times was Christopher Amon's name mentioned on in this either of the podcast interviews. Hmm. So I think that's worth noting as well. Um, anyway, it's it concluded with Punk. Uh, he told uh, Larry Heck, who was one of the WWE trainers at the time, that he was physically fine during a text message. So uh, Punk had... I guess not exactly been as forthcoming too. I think that's what they were trying to get around to on Monday. AJ Lee also took the stand. Uh, She went over uh, when she started dating Punk and then when she became aware of the lump. And guess what? The two started dating the same month she got to see the lump on the butt cheek. So what, what a commitment other than that. I mean... Maybe that's like the metaphorical version of like a promise ring. Like, I uh, inspect my lump. I want to go steady, look at my ass, and look at this thing that's growing on it. Mm. And she described it as the size of a zit when she first saw it, and it got to its largest at the Royal Rumble in 2014. So it was it was well on the road to WrestleMania and to mm-hmm. possible problems. Um, she continued then in the afternoon with her testimony, which, again, it, it focused quite a lot on the size of the lump. Is this getting, like, just too much about... I just, like, really, like... I'm, like, this is what the whole testimony what, is centered around, this lump. I know. What, what is the point, you know? What is... What, what, what could happen at the end of the, all this? Well, they could argue that this was something that... Um, so either Dr. Amon ignored... They're trying to... Basically, one side is trying to argue that this was a significant issue that should have been spotted and treated more properly than it was and the other side probably trying to argue that it was hidden it was not to the degree that punk described it on the podcast and because of this mischaracterization Mm -hmm. uh amon feels that he his reputation has been hurt even though in all of this like he is not able to really produce any any quantifiable damages that he has suffered in the result of all of this. And is that also the reason why uh, in the first day of the trial, um, they made such a point of, of making uh, making a point that Punk ignored orders to take himself out of the rumble after suffering con- a concussion? Is that what, what does that have to do with things? Well, that was another point that Punk brought up in the podcast was that he told the, the physician about the concussion he suffered and essentially just he, he, insulted him saying like I, I i'll paraphrase but he was just like i've got a concussion and i think what he said was, was that amon responded by what should i do 
And Punk just laughed off, like, what a fucking idiot this guy is, in, right. in essence. So that was kind of a separate issue about Amon arguing that, you know, he was relaying it to the back. They were trying to take care of this guy. And he was in the match for a very long time, assuming he was concussed and then eliminated. And they did this choke slam spot after all of this mm-hmm. with Kane choke slamming him and attacking him afterwards, mm-hmm. which is bizarre if he had this concussion and they just wanted to get him out of the match. Right. Which tells me that there was probably, because you, you remember that Punk was building up to this match with Hunter mm-hmm. at WrestleMania and Hunter's part of the authority that it would make sense that coming out of this, his program in between for that February pay-per-view would have been Kane. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that they had planned this choke slam spot and they just decided to go through with it yes. because that was going to be his February pay-per-view opponent, Kane. And oh, that yeah. was the angle. So that's why I think it happened. It shouldn't have if he was concussed, mm-hmm. but I think that's the logic behind why Kane and Punk continued. Hmm. Anyway, so AJ continued. Uh, we also heard from uh, his massage therapist, Punk's massage therapist, Way, who saw Punk around 20 times, including four days after the Royal Rumble. And she was able to determine that the lump was three inches in diameter and one inch raised. Wow. Off well, of. She actually had, had proof. She, she measured this. Uh, she, those are the numbers she cited. I don't know okay. what proof she had. I would imagine maybe she noted this. Okay. Um, And then she saw Punk, so she met him four days after the Rumble, she treated him, and then again in uh, near the end of April, and that's when the lump was gone, and Punk had told her it was staph infection, and he was lucky to be alive, which... uh, Would you be going for a massage if you had that? uh, A lump on your butt cheek? Yeah. Um, Well, again, he didn't really know what the issue was when he... Like, would you, as a masseuse, would you... eh, I guess there are ways to work around it, but... Well, if he went in January... And he was still of the belief that this could be staff. Uh, that would be something as a massage therapist you would not want to be coming mm-hmm. into contact with. Yeah. So that, that's a good point. And when he got a note from, uh, there was this guy, Patrick Duffy, who was, AJ had recommended this guy to punk. And this is not uh, the actor, mm. Patrick <laughs> Duffy, which was too easy a joke to make. Um, he was a physician's assistant and he was the one who actually did the drainage and gave him a note stating possible staff. So I think that's where Punk believed. And and Punk, one thing I can take away from a lot of this, from the interview and such, is like, Punk is an exaggerator. Like, he takes a... Well, especially in the heat of the moment on a podcast where he's obviously, you know, known to be a very emotional person, yes. Well, even, like, after the drainage, like, it was ruled it was, you know, a cyst. And he goes to the therapist in April and says, you know, it was staph infection, I'm lucky to be alive. I mean, it's... (laughs) He he is mm-hmm. he he does exaggerate and it's and it's landed him in some trouble here. Mm-hmm. I think if he had more of a if he was more of a a historian of sorts that would maybe maybe uh, have avoided some of this. However, uh, Monday it ended with the announcement that the closing arguments will occur Tuesday and then the jury has to deliberate. So, I mean, they if they have. Uh, a clear-cut answer, it could be right away. And maybe we could get it as early as Tuesday, but there's a chance this could go into Wednesday. I don't imagine this would be a significantly long deliberation process, but regardless, this is just days away. This guy's got to cut weight. Mm-hmm. This guy's got to fight on Saturday. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. It's just nuts. Yeah. And I, I really hope that this is... Um, this becomes some made-for-TV movie or something down the road. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah. I, I don't, don't think this will be an upcoming episode of Art of Wrestling. I don't imagine mm. he is a... I don't even think in the state that you can um, actually record in there. Right. There's something uh, I think uh, interesting and, and kind of novel about reading daily updates on, on what's going on in this courthouse. Uh, I kind of get a kick out of like hearing CM Punk define what CM Punk stands for. He had to go under oath and, and acknowledge Chick Magnet Punk. Yeah. But I think I, I, I'm kind of getting I'm tired of it, to be, if, if I have to be honest. Like, well, as I'm, as I'm like point? writing up recaps yeah. and like constantly referring to his, his left butt cheek, uh, it's like, man, this is... What what an uncomfortable testimony! It just makes everybody been. look foolish, you know. Like what in the end, what like this seems this whole thing seems relatively petty, um, but yeah, maybe not to them. Well, I don't want to like offer any prediction on what comes out because I think a lot of it is lost in the fact that we're not there in the courtroom. It's very hard. It's I, I like the way the WrestleZone has presented this, where they're not editorializing. They're more or less it's just bullet points of what's happening, but so much, especially in a jury trial, it's so dependent on how the personalities come across, how convincing they are in their arguments, what are the reactions, um, and that we're not privy to. So it's very mm. hard to have a read on who is ahead in this case, as well as the fact that WrestleZone was not there for the first day. Mm. That was when that Chicago Tribune reporter just stumbled in there, uh, yeah. and that was Dr. Amon's testimony, and that was a big day. So mm-hmm. we're kind of, we don't have a full view of both sides uh, and their testimony. But maybe we will have, uh, Tuesday night on this show, maybe we will have a verdict that we can discuss. And um, the the case of CM Punk's ass will be determined. We'll see if uh, Punk wins this week or goes 50-50 or loses both. This could be a terrible week for him. Oh it could my. be a great week for him. Yeah, he could, he could be 0-2. Could yeah. be, we could have a 500 week. Who knows? Let us get into Raw from Houston, Texas, Monday night at the Toyota Center. Elias was in the ring to start, and he stated that he carries the power of wind within his fist and a guitar around his chest. And he starts playing and says he is the company's most valuable asset, which I would think after those television negotiations, he's quite further down the pecking order. And he's going to become the next intercontinental champion at Money in the Bank. And he says when he attacked Rollins... He also suffered a loss because he broke one of his favorite guitars in doing so. And they show the replay from several angles while he plays a song over the replay. It was pretty funny. I thought this was kind of neat. He wrote a, a song just for this. He, it, it was, I assume it was called The Man Has Fallen Down. Just like the Rockets when Golden State comes to town, which mm. got tremendous heat yeah. after they were eliminated. Seth Rollins interrupted, and he's limping, selling the attack, pulls out a chair to combat the guitar. Both are in the ring, and Rollins swats the guitar away. But before he can attack Jinder, uh, sorry, before he can attack Elias, Jinder Mahal and Sunil run into the ring. They double-team him, and Roman Reigns makes the save, clearing the ring. And Kurt Angle comes out and makes a tag match. Uh, you know, I thought the, the track from Elias was uh, nice. I would say, you know... <laughs> Uh, highlight of the segment, um, if that's any sort of praise. But overall, I just I found it to be a pretty by the numbers, pretty lazy opening segment that you'd find programmed into like a season mode of a video game. Uh, the heavens erupted, and out came a figure that said, "John and Way, it's going to be a long show, so I'm going to remove Jonathan Coachman for tonight from you, as he was on assignment mm. with the Golf Channel." Love these assignments. And David Otunga joined them. I'm curious what Booker T had going on because 
being a Houston native, you would figure he would be the first call for a replacement. Would you right. not think that? Right. He still lives in Houston. He still is in Houston. Hmm. Yeah. So. Maybe he's got wrestling school or something. Uh, yeah, Monday maybe nights. he's got something. So uh, David Ot- Otonga joined them all night. I will say this. Uh, I was not uh, screaming at my monitor tonight. I would definitely say an improvement. I, 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 I had forgotten really like how this guy was, I think, at his job. Uh, it had been a while. But I definitely welcome him over Jonathan Coachman. I can't tell you one thing David Otunga said Monday night. That's fine. That's great. That's, that's an great. improvement. Yes. I don't want to notice the commentary. That's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at now on Raw. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns versus Elias and Jinder Mahal. And they had control of Rollins. Elias is attacking his neck. Uh, built up to a hot tag and they kept cutting him off, keeping Rollins away. And... Eventually, he makes the tag to Roman, who calls for a Superman punch, dropping Mahal off the apron as Elias rolled down to the floor. Uh, They went through a commercial break after they thwarted a drive-by, and then they're in control of Reigns. He fought back. Hot tag is now made to Rollins, and he's in. Sling blade, blockbuster, two count. Mahal attempts to colossus, but is stopped with a Superman punch. And then Rollins is calling for the stomp. The crowd's chanting, burn it down. Sunil gets on the apron, and he jumps away right into Roman Reigns on the floor. And Mahal attacks Reigns from behind, throws him into the steps, and then over the barricade and, quote, into the WWE universe. Rollins hit the suicide dive to Jinder, but in doing so, ran his head into the barricade, further injuring the neck, and stopped Sunil with a chair shot, runs into the ring chasing Sunil, but in doing so, he places the chair on the mat and walks right into a DDT from Elias onto the chair. Rollins is motionless, Drift away by Elias, and he pins Rollins at 17.35. Uh, I thought the suicide dive onwards was really good, and I, I really liked the structure of this tag match. For me, that was really the, the only part of the match where I really started to pay attention, because the rest of it I just found, considering Rollins' uh, output as of late, I found the rest of it very average. I thought it was dragged down by Ginger and Elias, but I really did like the finish with the suicide dive and how that played into the neck injury uh, directly into the finish, which I totally bought with Elias winning. I, I like this tag match, yeah, and I thought, you know, the ending was really well thought out, working around the neck injury that Rollins sold all match long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Cole had a mouthful here that Elias is building momentum and by default Jinder Mahal also gains momentum because he was part of this match he's building it for Reigns so double momentum wins for Elias and Jinder Mahal their mm-hmm. meter their momentum meters uh grew on Monday mm-hmm. uh Reigns is checking on Rollins and that was it uh, then we got a preview of tonight's matches including uh Schick Hydrosense that will be presenting Bobby Roode versus Braun Strowman for us and the Tag Team Battle Royal, which will include Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who got to enter the match without being part of the barbecue last week. Lucky then. Then we had a SmackDown promo. Not only do we have a contract signing between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, but Carmella will reveal an untold truth about Asuka. Boy, I can't wait. Maybe that's not her real name. What? What are you suggesting? Uh, I don't know. What would it be her real name? Uh, that is not her real name. No, I know that. I mean, maybe that's Carmella's reveal. When I when I threw this out there, uh, I had more than one response with people concluding that whatever it is, it will be racist. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We can only hope. Uh, the, the video that Carmella posted was that she's going to um, unmask Asuka. I gotcha. think she means it metaphorically, obviously. Right. But... Uh, 
whatever this is, uh, not high hopes after the Bobby Lashley truth. They have uh, mm. they have performed spectacularly over the past month with segments like these, uh, whether it be the barbecue or the Bobby Lashley sister segment. So um, I think expectations are painfully uh, high that this will be uh, crazy Russell crap and painfully low when it comes to anything meaningful and actually entertaining. What's our bar for this segment? The Jinder Mahal, Shinsuke Nakamura racist stuff from last summer? Is that the bar? Um, I think they can, yeah, yeah, I would say so, yeah. That's okay. a good, good measure. Okay, sure. so, so mocking a Japanese individual. Oh, we can't, we can't, we can't assume that it'll necessarily be anything racist. Oh, I'm not assuming, but I'm fully, won't, won't, won't stun me. We shall see. I won't be here on Tuesday night saying, oh my God, I can't believe they did this. It's mm. the WWE. Uh, 205 Live has Mustafa Ali against Buddy Murphy and Brian Kendrick versus Lince Dorado. Uh, Bruce Pritchard was in the front row. Yeah. And they plugged uh, his show, which this week will tackle the WWE's version of ECW. Kurt Hawkins is in the ring, and we had a table full of tacos. Was this the point where you were staring at your watch, wondering, man, it's really nice weather out, and um, it's almost officially summer? I, I think I still had energy. This was only the second segment. I know. Sec- or second this actual This is when I was looking at my watch. Program. Uh, he has lost 199 matches in a row. This crowd lost their shit for these tacos, which usually is a byproduct of bad tacos. But I can't imagine how awful the 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 vendors are at the Toyota Center. That this crowd, and just by sheer numbers, this was not going to feed everybody. No, not at all. Like this... Unless this was a a biblical story where they could take hmm. the uh, the fish and multiply for the entire crowd, I mean, mm. they were not going to be left satisfied here. But man, were they excited at the idea of having these, however long old tacos, fed to them? Well, all Kurt Hawkins had to do was beat James Harden, who wrestles as Will Lockhart. Uh, one of Booker T's students, and one of his high school friends contacted me to inform me that his real name is Will Alday and went to Friendswood High School in suburban Houston. Awesome. Thanks. So there you go. Thanks. I, I, my DMs are open, folks. Any, any high school acquaintances, mm. let me know. I wanted to know this, uh, the reveal here. Awesome. James Harden, who... I didn't understand this, okay? So... The audience was designed to mm-hmm. cheer yeah. for Kurt Hawkins because they theoretically want these tacos mm-hmm. for whatever reason. He was playing a baby face, I would say. I mean, he yes, kinda, he was. He kind of was. Like by the end of the segment, I would his say win he was. would bring fortune yeah. to these people, right? Yep. So why was this guy's name one of the Houston Rockets players? Wouldn't you pick yeah. like Steph Curry? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't that have been the name, or right. you know, yeah. someone that Houston is going to hate? Why are they going to mm-hmm. boo? Unless this guy was supposed to, oh, it's a fake James Harden. Is that the psychology? No, I thought the message was totally mixed. And uh, by the end of the segment, I mean, I think if they just kind of stuck with the tacos thing, it would have been a bit more of a clear message. I thought the the James Harden thing was cute on its own too, but the two of them didn't really mix. So uh, the match is very little. Uh, Harden got a bit of offense in, and as Hawkins is setting up, theoretically for the finish, Baron Corbin comes down and hits Harden with the end of days 
Therefore, Kurt Hawkins is disqualified at a minute 43. He loses. No tacos. He dumps the table of tacos all over Kurt Hawkins. And this all built up to the punchline by the WWE's Twitter account. Taco Boat, a devastating loss. Well, it might have been the highlight of this show. Uh, boy, high praise. So that was that. Uh, we saw Ronda teaching Natalia striking technique backstage as she prepared for her match with Nia. I mean, that that sentence itself, I think, would sound funny to any MMA fan. But if you saw Natalia striking here, like, <laughs> Ronda's just like, Natalia, no, you do this, you do this. And then Natalia, <laughs> like, basically doesn't... Oh, she her striking looks terrible. So, is it possible to watch one of these segments and not have Edmund screaming in your head? Because I cannot watch them without hearing him. Oh yeah, no, it's impossible. But then Ron is just like, "Yeah, you got it, you got it. Yep, good job, Natalia." So, (laughs) Kurt's on his phone with his incredible data plan. Baron walks in and Angle's upset over the last match. Like, how could Kurt possibly give a fuck? Like, really? Think of the motivation of this character to be upset that Kurt Hawkins... Like, why is this guy even on your roster? He's awful. Mm -hmm. Like, you're lucky in the UFC you get four losses, you're cut. He's let this guy go 200 theoretical losses, and he's he's got a spot. Why? And he can't find room for the authors of pain. He complains... uh, Baron complains about his lack of opportunities. So he went to WWE headquarters, and he spoke to Stephanie directly. Really needs to get Kurt's phone. So it could save him a lot of time. And she wrote a note. And this this note did not read a possible staff infection. This note read that Corbin is now the constable of Raw to serve as the checks and balances for some of Kurt's questionable decisions. Yeah. This was totally ripped from the CAA story where they specifically used the term that CAA was being brought in by WME, IMG, as the checks and balances. Are you just saying that that was a coincidence, or are you saying this is the direct reference point for this uh, storyline? That story, there's no way that every single person in the company was not reading that Hollywood Reporter story last week. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but... Like, that term, checks and balances, was specifically used. Well... Okay, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't buy coincidences. <laughs> Regardless, just, Baron is now the constable of Raw. The constable. Oh, man. I, I would say, like, you know, there, there's a lot of fatigue going on around this product right now. I wouldn't have suggested more authority figures as any type of solution to, to aid that fatigue. It's just uninspired. It's lazy. Clearly, they have little direction for Baron Corbin, so... Just shove him in there, you know? Uh, he's the he's the new Kane. He's the new, um, fuck, whatever. Oh, God. Ugh. Is he going to have, like, a uniform? Like, is he going to look like a constable Ugh. next week? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I feel a little nauseous, actually. Just even, I don't know if it's, like, all the, uh, coffee I drank throughout this show, but I'm just, I feel actually physically queasy trying to like. I needed go coffee this too this show. I won't lie. Oh my goodness! This is just, I. I just I don't look forward to this at all. Like Baron Corbin of all people is not really somebody who I want more TV talking time with every single Monday. With Kurt. Oh man. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> I might have to excuse myself at some. Guys, point. we are 
50 minutes into Raw. 5-0. Okay? We got like 70% of the show to go. Ronda Rousey is out for commentary. Um, We found something Ronda is not great at, and it is commentary. I did not like this. Natalia and Nia, non-title match. Uh, Rousey explained helping Natalia with her posture and stance. Baby steps. Some shoulder blocks sent Natalia to the floor. So they set up Rousey for the this line about her being ripe for the picking. And she, she gets in the line, only my husband can call her ripe for the picking. And they immediately go to a commercial break. First of all, what does that mean? I have no idea. I've never heard that term used in any kind of sexual description, which I can only imagine that's what Rhonda was trying to hint at. I don't know. Where does picking come in? In sex? Like, you're ripe for the picking? Like, that sounds weird. Okay. I, don't, I don't get it. But clearly Rhonda wanted to get this line in. So I spent the entire commercial break trying to break this down, wondering what Rhonda meant by that. And I was like... You know what? Maybe I'll never figure it out. I'll talk about it with John on the show, and I'll never have to think about this again. We come back from commercial break. She's got to get this fucking line in, because she's so worried the commercial break cut off her great line. Okay, we're going to read it on Urban Dictionary, okay? Let's see. Okay. A single person who is available to date. Example, don't be hitting on Marsha, man. She's ripe for the picking, but you ain't no farmer. So I, I don't know why a husband would be saying that to... Does it say what year, what uh, what decade that, that term was popular in? Or am I just that... Out, uh, this was out. submitted by Mallory on December the 20th, 2004. I didn't even know Urban Dictionary existed back then. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so she, she had to say this line twice. Made, make sure that we got it. Yeah, we got it, Rhonda. We got it, and there was nothing more cringy than hearing this bad line twice as these people tried to sound natural. Then Michael Cole's got to do what he always does when there's a guest. He just interrogates them and asks about the size discrepancy. And she says, I come from judo, where the whole principle of judo is maximum, maximum efficiency, minimum effort. So they explain, well, what makes you think you can execute that on Naya? Two Olympics. Corey then asks about how do you prepare for headbutts? I don't know. I don't have people headbutting me all day. I'm going to have to deal with it in the moment. Natalia drops her with a clothesline, fires up, and then is hit with a Samoan drop after she runs the ropes and her left knee buckles. And Jax pins her after the Samoan drop at 720. Natalia is holding her knee in pain. Naya pretends to be concerned. Rhonda comes down to check on her. Naya is concerned. And Rousey is now upset with Naya. Just go. And Rousey helps her to the back as Jax just remained in the ring. Um, I've been pretty happy with the segments involving Rhonda and Naya the last uh, couple of weeks since the match was made. Uh, this to me was a, a miss. I thought that the commentary for Rousey really kind of left her like she was not... Very natural. Uh, it is not easy to be natural playing off of Michael Cole. Um, I understand the direction that she was probably given. Go out there and, you know, be focused on on scouting your opponent. And, you know, don't necessarily try to uh, be too, um, I don't know, don't talk that much or don't be too flamboyant in your, in your commentary. Be serious and be uh, realistic like she was, you know, calling or... Com- commentary is MMA. really hard. Yeah, an MMA fight. But I felt almost like she... 
the, the, she seemed annoyed by the questions, which is vintage Rhonda, so she was being herself. So I, I thought all that was fine, but I just, I, I felt like by the end of it, maybe mm, a bit of rehearsing would have been better. A bit of uh, preparation, I think, might have been a, a bit better. Because by the end of it, I I would say Rhonda didn't necessarily come across likable after an interview like this. You know, and I didn't even get that much of a sense of her personality because I thought she was maybe too uh, short on her responses in, in trying to want to be serious. But and that line just the right for the picking thing just didn't help. That was a weird, very weird line. Not quite her uh, suffering succotash, but wasn't good. And the the knee injury, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't know what I was supposed to be left with here. Like, you're. I get the sense you you were supposed to see Naya being insincere, but to what point? There was no payoff for her. Uh, there was no sneak attack on Ronda. There was there was nothing. It was just like this I false sincerity. I don't know if what do you think she was being insincere? Because well, mean, if she was being sincere, then that makes this whole turn just perplexing. I mean, like you said, like there was no real payoff by the end of this segment, and by or the next, show by next week, like I probably won't give a shit about this anymore. So. The, the, th- the fact that we're even arguing about this suggests that whatever they were trying to communicate with this segment did not work, at least for the two of us. Agreed. And, and at the end of it, I just felt like I kind of wasted my time, you know? what I watched this match that, I mean, I guess had an outcome, uh, but then an angle that kind of teased some glimpses of, like, intensity between the two of them, uh, but didn't leave me feeling satisfied in the least at the, at the end of it. I would venture to guess that most weeks, Ronda's segment is of the utmost, if not the you know top two most important things on the show. I think they do um, put that effort into it. But having her there every week, it is this... Like, there are weeks that I just don't know if her presence is necessary. This was one of them. The it, match is built. I think they've done what they've needed to. Next week's the go-home show. Don't... I mean, do you feel like... Okay, two weeks two weeks away from the match. Do you think this could have been the week where they brought some physicality into it? Or should they not have touched at all? Or do they save that for next week? Because I felt like this week, you could have done that. Like, have, that, have, the, have the stare down occur in between Natalia there? Just give me a slap. Give me something. Yeah. I was waiting for Nia to just... Some cheap shot. Like, you don't do a big brawl, mm-hmm. but just... Ronda's turned her back, and th- there's the payoff. Like, Nia was mm-hmm. ju- just being completely insincere. She didn't care about the knee injury, but we got none of that. It felt like too much teasing, too much foreplay without actually any delivery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you don't want to, again, blow it off yeah. uh, two weeks ahead, but... I-, I like them not touching last week. I didn't mind that. But Tonight, I- it just felt... Th- there was no reason for this. You're giving me a three-hour show... I need something, you know, to to let me feel like I my, my time invested was was worth it this week, and I didn't get that. Yeah, this just felt like, well, Rod is here, we gotta do, we gotta use her in some way, and whatever big idea we have is for the go home show next week if we have an idea. Renee then interviewed Bobby Roode, and his mindset is going into his first Money in the Bank that he's ecstatic, and believes he'll be a future Universal Champion, and then it will be glorious. He says glorious, and then he just extends the pose. Like he's Chris Jericho. Yeah, like he's lost in, in his own, I think, greatness. So he's clearly di- dialing up the annoying. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just what we need. Uh, <laughs> he's annoyed about the question over facing Braun tonight. He has never seen a man like him and will need to use every trick. And his goal tonight is just to survive. Same goal as ours. <laughs> so Strowman took on Rude. Rude was just thrown around. Then he brought out a ladder, which everyone had to do on this show. He tries to goad Strowman into chasing him. 
ducks under the ladder, which is lodged on top of the barricade and the ring apron. And Braun hold, uh, pulls up at the ladder and just fucking drops his hands and breaks the ladder in half with his fists. In, uh, impressive, physically. Yeah, I mean, like, not not many human beings, I would say, could do something like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Makes you wonder the legitimacy of this ladder. I believe that it's as legitimate as any of their other ladders. Mm. It's aluminum. I don't know. It broke pretty cleanly away. He's a strong man. <laughs> Rude runs away, trips on the steps, and gets sent onto the barricade. And back into the ring, running power slam, Braun pins him 445. So Rude is being placed firmly into a cowardly heel, at the beginnings of a cowardly heel role. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, Kevin Owens' light. Kevin Owens watches this from the back, and Charlie interviews him and asks, Your thoughts? My thoughts? I think Braun's big. Bobby Rude has a robe, and the sky is blue. And he doesn't care about any of the opponents in the ladder match. He calls the WWE Universe clueless, makes fun of the Balor Club, makes fun of Too Sweet, and he's going to win the money in the bank, and Balor is nothing more than a made-up Irish myth. Hmm, yeah. He really... Mm, I thought he had quite the task on this show, trying to get people to care about a match like this that clearly had zero ramifications, nor any reason to, to really exist. Yes, I agree. It made me think of that on several... Well, I'll get into it in a, in a later match, because that certainly came up in my my thinking natalia's on crutches icing her knee naya apologizes and immediately asks can you still compete at money in the bank and rousey's with her naya notes this isn't ballet and tells ronda she's just as much my friend as she is yours and rousey tells her to leave but naya doesn't want to and this upsets natalia so do you think this will play uh in any way into natalia's involvement in the money in the bank match uh i don't th- well, there's always that possibility. Uh, I think what this leads to is some segment next week. Maybe where N- Natalia is going to try and play Peacekeeper. I don't know. They're getting into a territory where I think they're getting away from what was the core of this feud, which was just, you know, a very simple story. And I just feel it's run two weeks too long, and now they've got to introduce stuff that... Maybe it has a great payoff with Nat- yeah. with Natalia involved. Sure. If it's a fake maybe. knee injury, and Naya and Natalia working together... One of the big issues is that I, I would say they really... Nobody is buying this Natalia Ronda relationship. I mean, it is very clearly set up for a turn in the future, and I would say that it, it was. Pro- it's probably because it was so poorly established when Natalia came to Raw. All of a sudden, she's a good guy. Yeah, you know. So I feel like um, this no- nobody been- buys that. So nobody is going to buy this angle. Even though Ronda and Natalia, like, like they legitimately are friends, but think yeah. about just in the storyline. I think this would have been so much more effective if this was Becky Lynch, who you could really, I think people naturally Ron, take... Ronda and Becky? Yeah. Okay. If you're doing the friends angle, sure. I mean, they have, you know, Becky's just a very likable individual right. who could use a turn to help her. But, I mean, is there is there that, that real-life relationship that Ronda and Natalia actually have? But they do, and you're not buying it, so does that really help? They do, but I, I I think you need at least a bit of realism. It's like it, you need both. You need kind of the real life credibility, and all, you also need the characters. Well, what I think you need is time, yeah. and either way, you're rushing it. Like mm-hmm. this was not their intended plan to do this um, so quickly. Right. Um, but anyway, well, the Natalia one, there it looks like they're extending this. I think had they not come up with the Naya plan, 
I think Ronda would have been facing Natalia on this show, and it would have been way more rushed. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we will we will see what this plays into. Uh, if it is a fake knee injury, it kind of makes no sense. So then she would sacrifice the match. She blew Nia. this match. Yeah, and like, what? What? what but the other thing what, is, she like, wins the I money mean, in the bank, or. She just is there to swerve Ronda at the pay-per-view when she's on crutches and attacks her with the crutch. You know what? I, yeah. I don't know. Renee interviewed Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt in the ring. Oh, my God. They just babbled on, like, forever. We're right back to where we started so with I'm, Bray. Like, I'm trying to wonder if, like, it was just me. Because, like, the crowd seemed to react well to this. I don't know if people watching at home would have reacted well to this, but... I'm I'm so I'm already really over this this gimmick. Like, uh, again, it's just like week after week. Sorry, please please go on. There's nothing to recap. It's just like <laughs> babble, dude. It's like we're gods. We'll show you what it means to be woken. We're magic. We're unstoppable. Like, the universe is woken. The, they ask Renee if she's woken. The pe- the appeal of this broken Mad Hardy character, I think, has. Is it's not just in the promos. The promos are only just one section of it. It's it's just it's the creativity that's 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 more than just that. You know, it's all the side characters. It's all the backstage vin- uh, behind the scene, like whatever compound vignettes that they shoot. If if in TNA it was just this guy coming out there cutting promos every single week, or in the back with like a a, a white background cutting promos every single week, this shit would have failed. So that's the version of this that we're getting in the WWE and. I I'm I'm just over it. Like it's been six months of this. We got one, uh, what is it? Hardy compound video that, in my opinion, was lackluster in comparison to the others, and that's it. So I'm I'm quite over this woken Matt Hardy thing. They got the the audience to give Renee a standing woken O. Matt, he even calls for like Senior Benjamin here at the end, but like. For what reason? Like he, he, he senior Benjamin wasn't wasn't around. Bray interrupts and says that they will suffer, which I will confirm I was. The highlight of this was the commercial break where we got a promo for Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. I okay. hadn't seen any trailers for this yet. Have you seen the first Ant Man? No, I haven't. I'm afraid to watch any Marvel movies. I mean, we now. should save it. Yes. Okay. Maybe that'll be the next one. Um, will you be seeing this uh, when it opens, or will you wait? I usually watch them when when they open, so yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Do you think I'll like uh, Ant-Man? Yes. Yeah. Are you a Paul Rudd fan? I like Paul Rudd. Right. I do. I think you'll yeah, like Yeah, I do. And I just, uh, well, I saw his involvement in Civil War, mm-hmm. so to be uh, reviewed in the near future. Yes. Our Battle Royal, featuring every loser on the roster. The B-Team, Titus Worldwide, Rhino and Heath Slater. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. The Ascension, Brizongo, and The Revival. The best part of this was that the bell rang and JoJo was then supposed to do like the introduction that they'll do for a title match where they ring the bell. Yeah. And none of the guys in the ring realize this. So they start wrestling. (laughs) JoJo is not blinking. She's continuing. She's doing her fucking intro. And you get these guys that are just like half-ass wrestling, half-ass... Should we stop? Dude, Apollo Crews is just like, has the biggest smirk on his face. Like, what a clusterfuck this is. Yeah, it's not just me this time. This might have been the worst start to a professional wrestling match I've ever seen. 
this was so awkward. It was very awkward. They yeah. had to stop. They I had mean, to. Ziggler and McIntyre just got on the apron and were like, "Fuck this." I would have just said. Like kill JoJo's announcement. Like these guys are going ahead and and just let them wrestle. But it everybody wanted to continue with their jobs, and uh, a bit of awkwardness ensued. Any time in doubt, you just should default to what if this was real? What if we were really fighting? And I would just go with that. I there think that's is, a good rule of thumb. <laughs> there is no way I could suspend my disbelief for this battle royal. If these guys just kept brawling and brawling, it's like. Fine. I wasn't this. about to put that mental that amount of mental energy into this. Well, this segment. looked like a disaster. This was awful. Um, so Ziggler thinks it's the Royal Rumble and starts doing his near elimination spots, and then Breeze Drop kicks him out with the worst drop kick I've ever seen from these guys. I mean, why were they even in this match if they were well, just to be eliminated? Yeah, like I know. This? But, I don't. I didn't understand this at all. But, but this drop kick was a complete phantom drop kick that I really swear, really, it, it was. It was probably Breeze causing a breeze to eliminate uh, Dolph Ziggler here. It looked terrible. So they're out. I mean, they, I they got whatever minimal heat was available in this match by laying out everybody. And then left. But, like, they weren't in the segment last week. They're not winning here. I almost feel like, why tarnish them by even grouping them mm, with these idiots? I know. Um, I, I didn't understand it at all. They, I guess they needed some presence on the show. Ugh. And, was uh, this it? I would have taken the week off. I would have mm. been okay with that. Um, the Authors of Pain uh, did not need a presence on this show, and maybe it's to their benefit. I would say, like, they're probably... They're, you can probably tell maybe they, they have higher hopes for them, and that's why they're keeping them off. But then again, they kept the revival off for a while, too, and here they are. Okay, so... The final two teams are Heath Slater and Rhino in the Yeah, team. can we just skip through all the eliminations? It's down yeah. to Geek 1 team versus Geek 2 team, and Geek Slater picks up Geek Dallas for a scoop slam and accidentally knocks off Geek Rhino at 946... And they win the match, so we get fucking Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy against the B team. Who cares? <laughs> who, who cares? God, you could not possibly list a tag team match that has less interest for me. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, this is like the 85th match at Money in the Bank on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the hey, at least uh, every team I think kind of deserves their month, and this month happens to be the B team. Um, you know, put it on the kickoff, let them lose the match, and let's just move on. But I can't say I have that much to look forward to either in this tag team division. I mean, I would have said Ziggler and McIntyre, but this on, on this show, uh, yeah, probably not a very healthy uh, you know uh, um, appearance for them. The Cole, B, the Cole B, uh, sorry. Michael Cole stated that many people think that the Revival are on the cusp of superstardom. Sure. Just on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Just about to take off. Well, do they have t-shirts? Nope. They don't? No. The B team do. They do. Yeah. They have those crappy shirts they that are, are now being sold. They're being sold for $28 <laughs> American, wow. $38 Canadian for a Sharpie on a white t-shirt. I mean, I'll give them credit. At least, like the uh, for authenticity's sake, they don't even include the the WWE tag on the body of the shirt. At the same time, though, I've heard it suggested by people. Really, I mean, they could have just sold sharpies 
with white t-shirts and let fans make them themselves. Um, it's a hard buy to justify, you know, spending $28 on such a shitty looking shirt that you can just make off of, on, on your own. Uh, that is, of course, unless you really just want to support Heath's, uh, what is it, Bo Dallas and yeah. whatever. So just remember, folks, it's that B-Team t-shirt or almost six months of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So weigh those options, mm. folks. Use your dollars wisely. <laughs> Bobby Lashley comes out. I want to list off what he was wearing because they've never come together from any individual that owns a mirror. <laughs> Jeans, a salmon v-neck shirt, a white blazer, and just to cap it off was a baseball hat. I feel okay. <sighs> It's not like Bobby Lashley is like uh, any type of fashion icon. Although, like the guy, the guy has dressed Head, headbands a bit more snappy in the past. I would say the biggest faux pas is is having that suit jacket there. If it was just the the the, the jean jacket and the t shirt and the baseball cap, fine. You would have looked like any other wrestler, uh, meathead. But suit jacket with a baseball cap that that deserves some criticism. He says, Sami Zayn's been talking trash about him. So why don't you say it to my face? Hasn't that been the whole last two weeks has been each of them saying shit to their face? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I was about to sneeze. I think this I'm is like a really... I'm allergic to this This is a really tough review. Like, I guess it, watching it, I, I wasn't really like... I had to watch his show live from start mm, to finish way. I, I so kind of started. Dead. Well, I'll just say like... I found myself just dozing off, oh, not even falling asleep, but like being distracted a lot, you know, wanting to check Twitter, wanting to check like my email because so much of this show, show is just felt so inconsequential or just bad. Um, anyway, please, please finish the segment. It, it's very important, evidently. So Zane's music plays, but he doesn't come out. He's in the crowd. And there isn't a chance he's getting in the ring because last week he was assaulted and he's got his right hand all wrapped up from the handshake. And he cannot do simple tasks like cook his tofu steaks. So he went on Instagram to study Bobby Lashley. Mm -hmm. I uh, threw out my neck when my head just like fell back in my chair. Mm. And he... He pulled up inspirational quotes that Lashley has posted, which is prime material for roasting a guy. Mm -hmm. Someone who posts inspirational quotes. They told me to think outside the box. I told them there is no box. Do all the things that scare you because they are worth it. That's not even all that. I guess it's technically inspirational, but it's not clever. It's no, not it's not. He calls the people of Texas simple, and then he logged into one of his anonymous Instagram accounts, DM'd Bobby Lashley as a fan, and he got a copy and pasted link as the response that sent him... This is uh. real. This is real. This happened on the show. 
he got a copy and pasted link to a Bobby Lashley fan club page that charges for Bobby Lashley merchandise. And Bobby is fake. Just like Asuka's fake. Just like these baby faces are fake. And he talked about his burner accounts, meaning somebody followed the Brian Colangelo ringer story from last week. Lashley comes back and said, I would appreciate if you just promoted our match without attacking my reputation, to which Zane questioned if he really had sisters or if you really served in the army, which was the heat line that Lashley got pissed. So he shook in the ring and the segment ended. Mm. Oh my God. Bailey and Sasha have competition, dude. Uh, yeah, for me, this is taking the lead right now. Maybe it's just more more fresh in my mind, but this definitely, I think, is trying to claim its worst feud of the year award uh, and making a real great go of it. This was a very, very painful segment. Uh, this feud continues to just deliver some of the worst television I've seen this year. I don't know who came up with this idea of of the basing everything around the Instagram and, and uh, having burner accounts. It, I, I bet you it was the Ringer story because that thing got a lot of. I don't know the story, but okay, sure, whatever. Uh, again, this is a feud where I just want them to do the match so that we can move on as soon as possible. I want to get both of these men out of here. I think they're both of them are way more talented than what this feud and this storyline is giving. Oh, Lashley has just been like. I I, can't, I could not fathom even the mo- the biggest skeptic of when he came back. Uh, if you were comparing him to the Impact version, the biggest pessimist could not have envisioned this. No, I mean if this was the type of shit that they were giving him in TNA, I th- I don't think we would have heard the end of it. Uh it it does not belong in in the show. Really, it doesn't belong anywhere. Oh, for all the. The complaints about the, you know, I'll say 2015 through 17 version of Impact, um, you know, pre-Scott Damore, pre-Don Callis. I mean, dude, you can say whatever you want about running a company into the ground, but man, they nailed... Compare the Hardys and Lashley. Mm -hmm. Dude, it is just embarrassing, the comparison. Yeah. It's not even a comparison. Charlie interviewed Jinder Mahal. And he said that Reigns has been given it opportunity after opportunity. He got speared through a wall. Just recap. of Nothing was said. Told Reigns that a storm was coming. So we cut to Renee, who is in another part of the building with Reigns. To oh, react. This, this, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. This Have at it. sucks. Like, at this point... <laughs> I'm waiting for something redeeming from this show. And I just, I, I, having to sit through one shitty segment after other shitty segment after, and watching currently what I'm watching here with this Jinder Roman thing, where they're going back and forth talking about a match that I don't give a shit about that's going to come. I just, I, I just, this show just really sucked and it really took a lot out, out of me. Usually when we do these reviews, I, I can get, these things out of my system it's kind of just like making me relive that trauma and it's just it's it's making me feel shit here reigns 
Reigns Ugh. cuts a promo, tells Jinder to check his resume. We cut back to Mahal with a response to Reigns' response. Reigns says, you wouldn't say it to my face. Reigns says, he'll go find him, Jack. And he sets off to find him. Dude, Jinder was like two turns away. Like they were two minutes apart from one another. They fight. Mahal goes into a door. Um, a ton of shaky cam. Like the same shitty type of backstage brawl you'll see in every WWE produced show. It ended with a funny line by Michael Cole stating that Jinder Mahal is one of these people that quote, push and push and push Roman Reigns. What's so funny about that? Well, it just has double meaning. Cole meant it as like pushing his buttons, but other people could take it as the figurative sense of pushing him. No, just like a a literal storyline push. Oh, gotcha. Yes, yes. Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and Ember Moon took on the Riot Squad. Bliss teased an injury early and walked out on her team, citing a hamstring injury. So it was two on three. Morgan's in control of Moon when they come back. Logan did a pop-up headbutt to Ember Moon. Yes. That looked uh, different. They made the hot tag to Sasha, who has vowed to win money in the bank and then become a five-time women's champion. Because the chase, the money is in the chase for the fifth title. Uh, Morgan hit a double foot stomp to the back coming off the rope. Logan then yanked Moon off the apron. She fends off Logan and Riot, but then Morgan sends her off the apron again. Bailey's music plays. She runs down and joins the babyface team, tags in Bailey to belly to Logan and pins her at 11.32 with Graves asking how this is legal and suggests that the referee is on Ambien. Mm-hmm. Guess like Roseanne. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Angle and Corbin are watching this in the back, and Corbin asks if Angle will stand for this, and he tells Angle to go find the women and say their win doesn't count, and the lapdog does it. Yeah. Kurt just walks off. Yeah, yeah. He finds Moon, Bailey, and Sasha, who are just reveling in this victory, and we got the tease of the hug between Sasha and Bailey. They're all ready to reconcile. Mm-hmm. This is like the couple of uh, will they or will they not. We're, we're building up to like the kiss, but they're building up to a hug. And right as they're about to hug, Kurt walks in and overturns the decision. And the women, Sasha and Ember, are disappointed and they leave. And they go from praising Bailey as the hero to blaming her for the DQ loss. And this is where I'm thinking, why the fuck do these women care? Why do they care if they won or lost this match? What does it matter, Way? What does it matter? Momentum. Momentum. Mm -hmm. The answer to every reason we have matches on this show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Mm. I think, like, angles like these are fine uh, from time to time. Um, I think only, though, if they're... (laughs) If they're uh, interspersed with actual good wrestling. And I think... Mm, actual conclusions to matches that I don't know feel feel like I'm investing my time uh, uh, well and I don't know it feels like we had a lot of DQ finishes on this show didn't we? Uh, we aren't done yet uh, Baron was also admonishing referee John Cohn and told him this job isn't for everyone next week on the show from North Little Rock Arkansas we have Two four-ways. 
Sasha versus Ember Moon versus Natalia versus Alexa Bliss. And on the men's side, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Roode as well. Already, you can tell that you have no reason to watch this show. In fact, Way is going on strike next week. Yeah, I'm actually going to skip it, yes. Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey will have a face-to-face, which I could have sworn they have had one every single week. Hmm. Big Show is on the stage and introduced Team Texas to promote the Special Olympics. And then we had Finn Balor against Kevin Owens in the longest match in history. Owens, Irish whipped them hard into the buckle. They went through a commercial break. Balor fought back, hit a Topicon hero, and then Owens worked the arm. Set up for a pop-up powerbomb. Balor came off the ropes with a sling blade and a running dropkick that sent him into the corner. Balor tries to go to the top. He has tried it continuously to get to the top. He finally does. Then he's knocked off balance by Owens, who starts stomping Finn, stomping him, stomping him. And the bell rings at 18 minutes and 48 seconds for the disqualification. Unresolved issue. Yeah, really. Yep. Just a, a, a great way to just cap off this show. Like... Mm. Didn't even have much to say in the match. It's not even like it, it just, was... Well, the match had no reason to, to exist. Moves. It was yeah. long, a long heat, on, heat spot on Balor. Fine. Like, some weeks it's fine. But this was already a show that I think was terrible. And if you're asking people to stay this long to watch this main event, it either be a, it, it, it must either be like a really good main event or, or just give me some significance, at least a clean finish, you know? And for whatever reason, they just decided to not even do that. Uh, so wouldn't it have just made sense to use the ladder for the DQ? Owens loses it, and he I don't him. think any DQ would have really made sense. If you're going to do a DQ though, and then do this post match, can you really not afford a Kevin Owens loss here? You know, or or even a Finn Balor loss through cheating. I and not to even say that would have fixed this this show, but at least it would have given me something. Uh, but by the end of it, this match was a DQ. Uh, what was it? Uh, the last match was a DQ. Um, it, like I guess in hindsight, it was a DQ with Bailey. Mm-hmm. The uh, what is it? Uh, Kurt Hawkins, James Harden thing was a DQ. <laughs> right. Uh, am I missing anything? Everything's out. Um, oh yeah, the Natalia kind of knee injury. Fine. Yeah, knee injury. Uh, Everything was like Battle um, Royal. There was no clean finish on this whole show. A shitty Lashley Zayn segment. Shitty Roman Jinder Brawl. Uh, Roman and Seth versus Jinder and Elias, I guess. You know? Fine. I guess that was the best part. Afterwards, Owen splashed Balor from the top, took out a ladder, climbed it, teased another splash, but I guess Owens is scared of heights. Is that what we're to conclude? He had to keep scaling down and then he was dropped by Balor who hit a running drop kick and came off the ladder with the coup de gras to mm. end the show uh, and he grabbed the briefcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like watching this show and I really kind of like, I, I hate to just continue to be so negative, but I feel like I kind of... I don't mind. I need to. Uh, it just... This show really just gave me a feeling of, of just irrelevance to everything. Like, not even a finish to a lot of these matches. It just asked me what I'm watching this show for. What, I'm, what am I putting my three hours in into this for? Is it for good wrestling? I didn't get any of that on this show. And I, wa- I watched the best of the Super Juniors today, so I'm good. Is it storytelling? I'm not getting that here either. So what am I doing this for? Other than the fact that I have a job to do. 
you know. If I was just a casual viewer, I could have been spending th this three hours. Oh, I would have watched the hockey game. I would have watched the movie. I would have, like, I would have learned a new skill. I would have, like... Aikido. Mm. No. Sure, whatever. That would have been better than this, you know. I, I would have learned how to knit. I don't give a shit. But just this, at the end of it, was not a worthwhile investment. I wouldn't even say watching the Hulu version of this or even going back to YouTube to watch any of this would be a worthwhile investment of your time. Yeah, my highlights were all outside the body of the show. They were the Ant-Man trailer and hearing from uh, James Harden's friend from high school. Those were my highlights of Raw. So, you know, like some people have said, uh, I think it was like Chris Jericho who's, who said, they have a lot of TV to produce. Some weeks are going to be good. Some weeks aren't going to be very good. And yes, this was one of those weeks where this show was not very good. Fuck face. Uh, <laughs> fuck face, absolutely. But... God, there is so much other good out there, including Chris Jericho's uh, uh, pro wrestling, um, I guess, uh, contribution this week. So um, those of you that are considering checking in to see if WWE has turned the corner, they definitely have not. A rough edition of Raw. Let us go to the feedback before we uh, wind things down. I can't imagine what you folks voted. You guys always surprise me. On a scale of 0 to 10... You gave this a 2.62. You came through. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's about where I saw this show. Maybe lower. Um, let us go into a few pieces here. Jay from Colorado. I promised myself I would not shit all over Raw this week and try to find a silver lining. So here it is. At one point during Raw, I left the room for about 15 minutes and came back during the tag turmoil match during a Rhino Bo Dallas sequence. I had a beautiful moment where I legitimately thought Rhino was fighting a younger version of himself from 20 years ago. That was pretty cool. On a non-WWE-related note, I got to see Joey Ryan wrestle live for the first time last Friday at Lucha Libre and Laughs in Denver. The dick flip is every bit as magnificent live in person as I dreamt it would be. The look of confusion on my wife's face during the sequence was as priceless as the dick flip itself. Highly recommended. All right. I think everybody has to see the dick flip at least once. We go to Mark from Vaughn. Vince must have personally written Rhonda's lame line about her husband being right because they made sure it was repeated again after the commercial when it wasn't clear before the break. I was surprised the announcers made a H-I-P-A-A -A reference to HIPAA. Yes. Another reference from the punk trial. Oh, yes, right. Question. In what percentile would Baron Corbin have placed for you if you had to rank the guys best suited for this constable role? The lone wolf is now a part of the administration. I would have said... Uh, Not very lone wolfish. Yeah, I would have said maybe bottom 5%. He just doesn't exhibit the skills of somebody I would want, nor the character I would want in, in this role. What association has he ever shown with Stephanie McMahon? You know, what what association has he ever shown with any type of corporate suit? Wouldn't it be funny if it's revealed that he never met with Stephanie and it was a forged letter? That would not be funny. That would be even more maddening. And I don't think And then Kurt's fired for ignorance. I I I want to cry to think that that would even be a possibility cuz I'm trying to flesh this out. It's got to lead to something. Eh, it's just eh. It's okay. It's just like It's just like seeing something that you know could be really good. And you know, like, I know for the next month or two months, I'm in for a really shitty ride. At least with this storyline and with a number of their storylines. This might be the most we've sworn on a show. So I'm just like, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. 
I just, I just feel shit. Like, sh like. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Let me compose myself. Dubs here. Sami Zayn was the only highlight for me tonight. Sure, it was terrible, and no doubt will continue to be. But Sami Zayn is just a little too good to hate, no matter the content. I was so impressed with his conviction, it was hilarious. I'm not sure what was going on out there, as this Raw was almost exclusively background noise, but glad I caught this talent of a man. What was the deal with the Roman Jinder Skype promo? That Hardy Wyatt mashup? Realizing it was Otunga on commentary was a brutal moment, too. Three and a half, love the grams, out of 28. What was up with it? That's what they chose to do. That's what they chose. It was more like a Google Hangout, kind of, where we just had automatic cuts. Yeah. Jonathan from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, $265 million a year. That's what NBC valued the show. I wonder how much they give good programming. I don't know if it's the early summer melees or if they just don't care about writing to the TV negotiations, but they need to fix it before they alienate their entire audience. Bad talking segments, bad acting segments, bad matches. The Rusev Lana Xfinity ad may have been the best part of the evening. Did we get to see that? I, I didn't, didn't see I it. I didn't see it. I don't think that was on. And I saw all the spots tonight, so I think that was on the USA Network. Question. Do you think Alexa and Natty could be replacing the Money in the Bank matches by, say, Bailey and Ruby Ride? Or do you think they're attempting to add unnecessary unnecessary drama to the match. I'm thinking they're keeping Natty close to Ronda, and Alexa might still be recovering from her enhancement surgery. Yeah, no. I don't. I don't think Alexa will be taken out of that match. Alexa's done matches, she, so she wrestled. Uh, yeah, they. I guess they were teasing. Yeah, next week they're questionable because of the storyline oh, injuries. Right. So if they wanted to make changes, I guess they could. But Brandon from Oshawa. So someone in uncreative actually came up with the idea of a jobber against an even bigger jobber with tacos on the floor. Also, Baron Corbin. All so Baron Corbin could come out and lead to this terrible constable crap. I've actually been sitting here at my computer now for several minutes trying to think of what else to write, but it's not even worth it. I feel bad that you guys have to put up with this. They used to have their catchy little get the F out slogan. They need to start thinking of a new one to get the E out because there is no entertainment, at least not on Raw. Finally, to Kyle, who says Raw was really bad tonight. Instead of shitting on it, I'm going to make a prediction about SmackDown tomorrow. I think the untrue tooth about Asuka is that Carmella actually beat her in NXT in a battle royal so she can state she beat Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Well, I pray that you are right because the possibilities... That's, that's very inoffensive. Yeah, the possibilities of what it could be could be far worse, so we shall see. I mean, admittedly, in a sixth sense, that sort of is a hook for tomorrow. To see what they could do. <laughs> what a, what a like low bar we had. That's like this is such a throwaway nothing that we shouldn't even think about. But because it's WWE and their track record, it's wow. How bad could this be? Are we ready to talk about something we might have actually enjoyed watching? Not on this show. Not on this show. No, we're gonna wind it out. All the negativity has now been uh, uh, out of our system, uh, but. For those of you that are members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can now hop on over and uh, overdose on some lattes in the form of our overrun show, because Way and I are going to be going through total Bellas from Sunday night. Uh, what was the big the fallout, big story on episode three? The, the Really just kind of the aftermath of the first breakup between John Cena and Nikki. The first breakup. Well, the actual point where they called off the wedding. Okay, yeah. so Wei's going to dissect that. And then we're going to chat about the best of the Super Juniors final from Monday morning at Corcuan Hall, where there were no tacos, there were no uh, back-and-forth promos and reactions. Um, people were pretty well-dressed. And, uh, and the wrestling was far better. 
Yes. A bit, yeah, just a bit. So we're going to chat about that uh, coming up on the Overrun Show. So head on over to postwrestlingcafe.com. And if not, we'll chat with you Tuesday. We've got the Post Profile coming out on Ken Shamrock in the afternoon and Rewind to SmackDown Tuesday night at postwrestling.com. Ugh.